Storm. I'm Peter. And I'm Felice. Welcome to our travel podcast. We're specialist travel writers and we've spent half a lifetime exploring every corner of the world. So we want to share with you some of our extraordinary experiences and the amazing people we've met along the way. Felice and I are finally back on skis again in the Swiss resort of Andermatt, a mountain village with a long and intriguing history. At its heart, it's a classic chocolate box village with cobbled streets, old coaching inns, ornate church and a handful of shops. It's a 90-minute drive from Zurich and it lies at the foot of the Gotthard Pass. Now, since the Middle Ages, this has been one of the main north-south routes through the Swiss Alps. But right now, on a damp and cloudy morning, our focus is not on history but on muscles. We're now in the gym of the Hotel Radisson Blue, and it's 8.30 in the morning, and it feels quite early after our time change and yesterday's journey here. Our instructor, Pascal, who's a Swiss New Zealander, has suggested that before we hit the snow, we should do some essential warm-up exercises. So, Pascal, what do we need to do to get fit to go skiing? Well, I would say core and legs are the biggest, biggest ones that you need for skiing. So core, and I would put emphasis on the back just because most people sort of forget about the back, their back when they think about core. That's a lot of people have back trouble with skiing, especially off-piste skiing. So that's the big one you really need to strengthen and having a strong core or, or abs, basically, Front side also helps support the back, so that's a big one. It's almost, I would say it's almost bigger than the legs. It works together with the legs, but it's one that really goes forgotten a lot. So if people spend uh, most of the year sitting in an office, they need to really get fit before they go skiing, or there's a risk of injury, right? Yes, for sure. I would say the strength one is a big one, because there's a lot of jolts and, and, and hard hits in skiing. So having your, your strength ready and sort of a reaction type of strength, sort of an explosive, they call it plyometrics, that's definitely the best to be prepared for skiing. So Pascal, two tips. I haven't skied for two years, yes. for obvious reasons. So two tips on uh, what I should be looking for today to make sure I'm safe and enjoy myself on the mountain. Well, I would say the biggest one is patience. So start slow, don't overdo it. Think about having more than one coffee maybe. Have your breaks, take your time. And the next one is have fun because... Even if you're, especially if you're going with kids and things like that, the more fun you have on your first day skiing, the more you're going to want to go skiing for the rest of the season. No doubt about that. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Andermatt's heyday in more modern times was in the mid-19th century. Inquisitive European tourists, including Queen Victoria herself, crossed the Gotthard Pass. They were drawn to this classic village surrounded by soaring peaks that held such a fascination for travellers during the Romantic era. But the stream of visitors came to a sudden end one day in May 1882 with the opening of the Gotthard Rail Tunnel. In just one day, Andermatt, once an essential halt on a 2,000-year-old trading route, found itself bypassed and forgotten. For nearly the whole of the 20th century, the once popular tourist destination found itself depending on the Swiss army for its survival. It became a rather grim garrison town where much of the country's adult male population turned up for their national service training each year. And then, after the end of the Cold War, military priorities changed, and the army too pulled out, leaving Andermatt, like so many mountain communities, nearly destitute as the younger generation moved away to the cities in search of employment. But hey, there's still skiing, isn't there? 
For at least the past 70 years, the Gemstock, which towers over the village, has attracted expert skiers to its steep slopes. A two-stage cable car takes you up to the top of the glacier, and the runs down from the top are truly formidable, challenging peace and superb powder opportunities. But this is advanced terrain, meaning that the upper section of the Gemstock is really not suitable for 97% of skiers overall. But there's a silver, or rather a white, lining to this tale. Enter the Egyptian billionaire behind a giant Red Sea resort. He put forward the idea of turning Andermatt into a year-round luxury destination, with extensive skiing and an 18-hole championship golf course. Well, in a place where the inhabitants of the village of Decentis, just up the valley, are considered foreigners, let alone visitors from Zurich, the overall idea of an Egyptian determining their fates was beyond all reason. Nevertheless, he convened a meeting of all the villagers to explain his ideas, and to their utter astonishment, he addressed them in fluent German. The rest, as they say, is history. So Andermatt is currently the largest ski resort development in the Alps. Halfway through the master plan to transform it into a world-class destination, investment has reached 1 billion Swiss francs, that's more than a billion US dollars, and a lot more of the same is scheduled to follow. We caught up with Russell from the developers as we looked at the 3D model of the rapidly expanding village. So Russell, we're now 10 years into the project. What's it going to look like in another 10 years' time? Well, in 10 years' time, and uh, it will be a, a fully functioning alpine town, uh, which is in use all year round by people who are staying here uh, on holiday, also living here, uh, and um, yeah, hopefully enjoying the facilities uh, of Andermatt. Now, at the moment, we're still a, a mountain village with a few traditional retail outlets. Now, yeah, I gather you're building some form of a, a main street, right? That's right, yeah. So over, over the next few years, we will build out our, our, our main shopping promenade. We've got around 35 retail units that are going in and a series of restaurants as well. Uh, and we will, we will build that out with a central shop, supermarkets and uh, pharmacies and so on. And then also some other retail, which would be fitting to an alpine destination yeah what sort of people are you hoping to attract families or couples or groups it differs a bit uh, depending on what time of year uh, we're, we're in but of course in 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 the winter andermatt's long been uh, been a, a ski destination so we have families uh, that come skiing here um also it's known as a quite a, a bit of a mecca for off-piece so we've, we've always been uh, been a place that attracts uh, really keen adventurous skiers is there a danger of it becoming another zermatt another st moritz uh, well i think uh, andermatt by comparison, size-wise, it's, it's quite small. So we, we, we have only a, quite a limited amount of real estate that we're, that we're building here. So in terms of the number of beds that we have here versus the size of the skiing area, the ratio works really well for Andermatt compared to, say, Zermatt or Samaritz or Courcheval, where the number of people that use the skiing area each day and versus the uh, the availability of beds, the, the ratio is not quite as good. So I think here in the future, in, in years to come, I think people can still expect good uncrowded skiing. But you also want it to be an all-year-round resort. Yeah. yeah, so I think, uh, you know, also with the facilities that we're doing for outside of the ski season, I think we, we are, I suppose, probably in a unique position where we are in control of the master plan of the development. So whenever we're looking at new elements of the project, so let's say facilities, we're always considering how many people might use it. And that's, that's quite unique to Andermatt. Are there any more five-star hotels planned? Yeah, so um, in, in the pipeline, in terms of what we're, what we're doing now, um, we've, we've built the Chedi, which I think has now become quite well known, hopefully, as being one of the most luxurious properties in uh, in, in the Alps. Radisson uh, has followed as our second one, um, coming on 
or, or in our development pipeline after that is uh, this development here which is going to be a uh, what we would describe as a lifestyle hotel so it will sit somewhere between uh, the Chedi and the Radisson um, the, the idea is to is to create a, um, a hotel which is probably going to attract a, a slightly younger audience um, to Andamat and we've got some really nice facilities in there and we're we're, we're deep, deeply in the planning phase of that at the moment, but it's um, it's going to be um, a very nice property. It'll be a four or five star. And, yeah, it's got around 250, 250 rooms. And then thereafter, the last hotel, that, or the, there'll be two more hotels that will follow, uh, which are in the in the longer term pipeline, um, which are uh, this one over here, which we uh, broadly described our family hotels but the concept for that is still under development uh, and then we also have a hotel uh, in the far corner which was we described as our golf hotel on the basis that that's very close to the golf course and that will also be a, another luxury hotel it's amazing unfortunately the weather isn't great so we can't see around very well but um it's lovely being on the snow again it's two-year-old snow which sounds a bit odd we're actually get a few more flakes now quite a lot more flakes now but mainly we're skiing we're going to ski on snow that is two years old because they've farmed it and kept it under wraps by under wraps i mean wrapped in a giant fleece great haystacks of it and then they spread it out for the start of the season and because they had a, a fairly dismal summer here the snow hasn't evaporated and it's in remarkably good condition Okay, you're clipped in. Let's go. Well, that was just the most amazing feeling to be back on skis again. I've, I've really, really enjoyed this morning. I mean, it's not exactly brilliant skiing, but it's, uh, it's snow. Hey, it's snow. <laughs> That's all we've been missing for the last couple of years. It's a truly amazing feeling to be back on it. I really hadn't realized how much I missed it. Yeah, it was incredible. And I thought I would be unfit, but... In fact, it's fine for glacier skiing. You don't have to be very fit. Yeah, I mean, the, the glacier itself is a long way up and it's pretty steep at the top for a glacier. It's pretty steep and icy at the moment. You really need you need some sharp edges to, uh, to get a grip today. But there's a long run down and it's a glorious feeling to be back on snow again. It was busy, but not terrible because uh, it was mainly locals who were there. So they're all pretty good skiers and could avoid each other. Of course, we're only seeing a small fraction of the skiing in Andamat because it now stretches on through Cedron and Decentis for really quite a long way. But uh, that's more intermediate, the new ski area, and this is more advanced. But, but both are pretty good. Well, now it's time for a bit of lunch. We're in German-speaking Switzerland, so it's got to be Rösti mit Ei. That's, that's hash browns with a fried egg on top, a traditional mountain dish around here, and pretty welcome after a morning like that. You can sleep and eat amazingly well in Andermatt. Of course, it's home to the Chedi, the original five-star here that's recognised as one of the truly great ski hotels in the world. It's an east-west fusion of design and food that sits surprisingly well in the heart of Switzerland. Never miss an opportunity for hot chocolate after skiing or an exotic cocktail before dinner. So we're back in the Chedi. We were here three years ago, I think. I suppose it is that long. And we had one of the most amazing meals we've ever had here in the Japanese restaurant. The Chedi is inspired by the East, so they're big gongs and the colour scheme is wood and 
black and bronze. It's very high double height ceilings, amazing pillars, fireplaces everywhere, all very sleek. It's probably, possibly, the finest hotel in the Alps. Certainly one of. But what's lovely about this is on the ground floor, the sort of lobby area, living space, it has lots of little nooks and crannies, so you can be private or you don't need to see anyone else if you don't want to. And yet you can sit really comfortably, have a drink, have coffee. And has some of the best cocktails I've ever seen. Yeah, the cocktails are wonderful and they'll make them specially for you, all sorts of different concoctions. It's got a beautiful, beautiful swimming pool on the ground floor with uh, views out across the Alps. And it's very long, I mean, Olympic-sized pool. It's a place where you can truly, truly relax in mountain surroundings. And there's an overwhelming sense of peace as you walk through the door. A lot of people here during the day, they don't seem to be skiing. And it's also a typical wet and a damp day where the clouds come down over the valley. And I'm sure up the mountain it would be snowing and perhaps there might even be the odd bit of sunlight because that's often what happens when you have a, a cloud ceiling. I really like the slices of wood, the logs, sorry, the logs that look like they might go in a fire, but they use as a decoration up to the ceiling. Yes, you often see neatly piled logs on shelves, but here they take it to a new level. This overall is a very, very special place, one that I'd like to come back to again and again. It's, It's probably a really important reason for coming to Andermatt in the first place, isn't it? Definitely. If you can stay, if you can come to Andermatt and stay here, you'll be in heaven. The different materials range from wood to beaten bronze, leather, fur rug, fur cushions, leather cushions, and they really make use of the height with floor-to-ceiling shelves with things displayed on them. Marble, that's another material. Stone floors, wood floors, everything all mixed up together, but very successfully. Yes, you feel you might be in some wonderful Tibetan temple. A new hotel has opened in Andamat this year. It's called the Berg Idyll or Lavash. It's run by South African-based hotelier Rob Sawyer, who used to own the Farinay in Verbier. This hotel in Andermatt is the sister establishment to the mountain restaurant of the same name in Verbier. It's got the same trio of celebrity shareholders, singer James Blunt, rugby star Lawrence Delalio, and Carl Fogarty. Carl, of course, was one of the most successful world superbike champions of all time. We're going to see another celebrity hotspot in the Alps developing, I guess. The restaurant's called the Potluck Club, which is also in Cape Town. So you can take your choice. You can stay in the Radisson Blue, like we are, very modern, has everything you need. Bit out of town, bit of a walk, 10 minutes, but there is a bus, ski bus. Or you can stay, if you've got deep pockets, stay at the Chedi, or more reasonable, and across the road, the Burger Deal. Now it's almost time to head back up the hill again for a gourmet dinner. From where we're sitting right now, the Japanese by Chedi at 2,500 metres has a Michelin star and might well be the obvious choice. We love Japanese food. But for starters, it's closed tonight. So too is Swiss chef Marcus Neff's The Gurch, which shares its balcony with the Chedi. And incredibly, The Gurch also has a Michelin star. I tell you, you're spoiled for choice up here. However, Marcus is opening up just for us this evening. He'd hoped to have the gondola running, but that's not to be. So we're about to make our way with special army permission, up the mountain, all 1,000 vertical metres of it from the village on an old military road. I think road is quite a strong word for it. It's a track with sheer drop-offs to the valley. 
bit of a stomach churner, really, for passengers. I just hope that our taxi driver's not going to be tempted by a glass of wine or anything, because he's going to need all his wits about him to get us safely back down again. I think I prefer the gondola ride that normally brings guests up here. Marcus, thank you very much. It was the most amazing meal up the mountain in Andamat at 2,500 meters. And Gutsch is the most remarkable restaurant. You've got a Mishnah star now. Yeah. How did this come about? How do, how do you manage to create such extraordinary cuisine at 2,500 meters up the mountain? Because we did it already before. In the Valley, we had a restaurant and hotel with 18 points and one star. And then we came here and we tried to make the same thing here. If you can see this restaurant, it's not a hut. It's a restaurant on the mountain. That's a difference. And I think this evening we had about seven courses, something like that. About, yes, appetizer, three starters, main and course. people yeah. can come up here every evening? Uh, no, not every evening. We do that special for uh, maybe, we, maybe we will make some events, like we had full moon dinner or uh, whatever. Also, we will do something on uh, New Year. But mainly it's a lunchtime destination for skiers. No, normally it's for lunchtime, yeah, yeah. And do you have sort of simple courses? or um, We've had a, obviously a, a taster menu, a, yeah. a gourmet <clears throat> feast tonight, but yeah. you have quite simple lunches as well? It's simple, for sure, but we don't serve, we don't want to serve bratwurst and uh, <laughs> French fries yeah. and whatever. It's not, it's not the place to serve this. You can also have like a plate of pasta with lobster, with uh, mushrooms, with, in winter we will do it with mussels and, and saffron. You can also have normal things but good done and are there, are there problems in cooking at this altitude no no really not because i always find if i in my simple way trying to cook at this altitude everything it takes about 10 minutes to boil an egg but you, you are used to all this yeah? yes for sure the only difference is between here or, or you then in the valley you get really tired in the evening across the altitude but that's okay we start on eight at morning and we finish at five at the evening and that's okay and you're doing something special here with uh, the waste food. Yes, I always have uh, had a problem to, th to throw things away. I'm growing up like this. Like today is sometimes you buy a bread and if they don't sell it, they had to throw it away in the evening. Where I grown up, we, we bought bread in Monday, Tuesday, and it had to be good until the weekend. And so I, I hate to think, to throw things away. So we try. Like when we make vegetables, we have to peel them, you have to wash them, you have to cut them. All these cuts we, we can use for a vegetable stock. You don't throw it away. It's very important. And you're unique doing this, I think. You're the only Michelin-starred restaurant in Switzerland who, who's doing that? On this, on the mountain, yeah. There's, that's, I think it's unique now in Switzerland, on this altitude, Michelin star. And we have this restaurant and also the Japanese. And it's unique for this place, for Andermatt, to have on one mountain two Michelin stars. That's amazing. And are you the highest, uh, the highest altitude Michelin starred restaurant? In Switzerland, yes. But I think there is one more in France. Uh, they have maybe there, they have one star also, but maybe a little bit higher. But for sure, it's unique for Switzerland. And it's a reason in itself, just to come to Andermatt. Yeah, for sure, for sure.
a final word on the Renaissance of Andermatt, we met up with village walking guide Bent Simon. No one knows more about the long history of the resort, and I started by asking Bent if there had been much resistance from the locals when Egyptian Sami Sawiri first proposed his plans way back in 2005. No, actually not, because, you know, nobody believed it that anybody would uh, invest a, a franc in Andermatt. If you looked at the votes, you know, he could not come here and say, I have 400 million and I buy you all. He had to win votes in all the villages, in the canton, and it even took a countrywide change of a law. And all this was surprisingly positive, more than 90% yes. So do you think there's a big future for Andermatt as a major international ski resort and an all-round resort? I think it's not Andermatt. The project is Central Alps with all the side valleys like Goms, Valle, Litticino and parts of Graubünden. All these areas has their speciality naturally or in, in adventurous sports like skiing, mountaineering, whatever. But we really have to start to sink over this mountain. Do you think there is a, a boom time coming for this part of Switzerland? It is a big, big chance. It's always hard to say if it's booming or not or if a boom is wanted or not or if a boom is positive. But uh, at least we have to realize we are part of the game and we are in charge. Not only some so serious with his millions, we have a chance to be part of our future. That's all for now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, actionpacktravel.com, or you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or any of the many podcast platforms. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love you to sign up for our regular emails too at peter at actionpacktravel.com. Until next week, stay safe. And I am you, and you are me. It's just a crazy storm.